If you guys have your Bibles, let's open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses uh, 1 to one to 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. Okay, I'm just going to read. Uh, this is Paul speaking. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. All right. This is kind of like an awkward passage. It's kind of like, stop right there. They're like, all right, guys, let's break this one down. Um, uh, yeah, you know what? Tonight, as I was coming in here, I just really felt God was leading me um, more than anything else, more than just trying to preach a regular message or a typical sermon with three points. I really felt God was leading me instead to kind of... Um, at least your stories of his greatness, stories of glory, um, stories that would really uh, communicate and convey to you guys just how real God is. You know, I don't think we really fully understand or grasp the reality of God. You know, God is so real, guys. You know, he's not just a philosophy. He's not just a theology. He's not just, uh, you know, he's not just some person, like just some abstract kind of person. He, he is a real person. And he's alive, and he's living, and he's active today all around the world. And so, um, you know, I, this passage was highlighted to me because more than anything, I feel like what the Lord desires from us, um, what the Lord desires from the church, he desires, he desires history with the church. He desires history and relationship with each and every one of us. He desires something like this with each and every one of us. I feel like when we read this passage, we automatically disqualify ourselves. When you read a passage like that, you're like, oh, that was Paul. You know, he's the apostle. He wrote, like, half the New Testament. Only a guy like him can have these kind of experiences and these kind of revelations, be caught up to the heavens. But, you know, that's not for me. You know, I'm just a college student. I'm just trying to study hard, you know, and, and get by with my midterms. You know, I, I, I'm just trying to get by with two quiet times a week. You know, it's just like, oh, that, that's not me. But I, I want to really just share with you guys that, no, it is for you. God wants this for you. He wants to have history with you. He wants to reveal himself to you in tangible and very real ways, through the word, in worship. And I feel like what's happening when I look at the church today and when I look at our church at New Philly, God is really turning things around. You know, he's really breaking off this religious understanding of church that we've been operating for many, many years, decades. And I feel like God is just injecting a fresh, um, a fresh sense of, uh, of who he is. He's, 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 he's injecting a fresh freedom into the church. And, yeah, you know, I just feel like sometimes we just grow up. Um, I don't know about you. I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. And so I, I honestly, I don't, I don't ever remember a time where I was unsaved. <laughs> I honestly don't. I mean, I, I try to. I'm like, was there ever a time where I, I wasn't aware of God? I, I, I know it's just beyond my memory, you know. Um, like even as a kid, like God was like my, um, my uh, what, what you call it, uh, uh, imaginary friend. 
I preached on this you know, a, week, a few weeks ago. Um, but like, man, it's just, you know, when we grow up in church, we kind of grow up and we get thrown into this some, a, a philosophy of religion, you know. Like you have to do your quiet times each day. You, know, you, you have to read the Bible. You have to pray. And, um, and you know, we, we, that's, that's all we make church out to be. Apart from the Sunday services, apart from the revivals and retreats, all we kind of make church out to be, when it comes down to it, is just do that, you know, and, you know, and you're doing well. And I'm not saying don't do that, you know. Um, I, I'm all about that. If you know me, you know, I am really into that. You know, I'm really into spending time with God and reading the word. Um, but I think there's a difference between um, blindly listening to someone tell you to do something. There's a difference between doing something like that um, in comparison to actually meeting and encountering God in your room and kind of having a history with him through those times. I don't know if you guys follow me. When you look at your walk with God, if I can challenge you and ask you, do you have a history with God? Are there moments you can look back and say, on that day, on that night, on that morning, God revealed himself to me in a very specific way. And that way marked me. It changed my life. More than any retreat I've ever gone to, more than any revival, more than the best speaker, I had a one-on-one moment with God. The God of the universe in my own room, he looked right at me. I don't know if it was my imagination. I don't know. But all I know is that it scarred my spirit, and it caused me to go even deeper with God, and I'm forever changed because of that. And I cannot go back. And to this day, I still look back on that, and it's something that I have a history with God. And it continues to propel me deeper into the Lord. And I, and I, and I get new history as I, as I walk and as I build upon these revelations. Do you have a history with God? You know, because I see many of us, we just, honest, honestly, we just go home, we flip open the Bible, read a passage, we're like, Holy Spirit, speak to me. <laughs> Spend a, spend a little time in worship, and then you know you, you get blessed. You know, there's something about that that edifies you, and it should, and it's good. And then it's like, okay, time to go to sleep, or it's like, okay, time to move up about my day. It's you know, uh, yeah. But how many have you? How many of you guys have spent more than two hours in prayer? No, no, wait, wait a minute. I'm not trying to get all religious and be like, oh, you got to spend this many amount of time. But how many of you guys? Gave yourself over to a period of devotion and consecration to God, not being religious at all, but saying, God, my time is my most important asset I can give to you. I'm going to surrender these hours to, to have you come and move. How many of you guys have done that? And, and how many of you guys have had, the, had rich encounters with God because of the time that you sacrificed in that kind of way with the Lord? You see, for me... That's honestly, like, a lot of my history with God, a lot of my times, a lot of my encounter with God actually came in seasons where I gave, I, I gave my, you know, I gave, a, I, I pursued God to that level where, you know, there was, there was one time in my life when I was, in, when, when I was serving at my first college after seminary, not a college, first church after seminary, and I just decided for two weeks I'm going to spend at least three hours a day praying to God, you know, in, in intimacy with the Lord. And, and I, it was hard. It was really hard. You know, <laughs> you guys are like, oh, how do you do that? You know, it's like, it was like super hard. I was like, oh my goodness. And, um, 
But like, you know, I, I was like, I want it. You know, I want you, God. And, and let me tell you, like those two, three weeks, it was like one of the most glorious times ever. You know, like, it's like that first hour, you're battling distractions, right? First hour, you're battling distractions. But then the second hour, it's like, you know, it's like when you're, when you're, when you're in a plane and you're taking off, right? It's very rocky when you take off. It's like, and it's like, it's like, it's like scary, you know, like they say when you take off and when you land are times when planes point to crash the most. And so you're like, oh my goodness, you're like, but then all of a sudden, when you hit that second, when you hit that second atmosphere or whatever it is, like, and it becomes, everything becomes really clear. And then you hear like, you know, the seatbelt sign. It's like, oh, you're like, you can now walk about and roam across the cabin. You see, that's how it's like with our walk with God when we pursue God, when we pursue him in the secret place, intimacy. A lot of times, many of us, if you don't get past the rocky part, it's like, yes, God. We like crash. And it's like, oh, I had my moment of God. It's enough to get me through the day. But how many of us take the time to like battle through that? I'm getting up there. I'm getting up there. And then, boom, you break through. And all of a sudden, like, all the distractions, they're far from you. And you just reach a plane where you're just, it's, like, so clear. Like, your heart is engaged. Your heart is, like, alive. Like, if, if, it's very pleasurable, you know? Just be real. I mean, it's like you feel, you feel the presence of God over you. And then you begin to hear him more clearly. And then, you, and then you just break into a level where there's so much more grace and ability to worship God and to connect with him. And it's just like, and then you go so deep in that, you know? It's like, at, at that point time doesn't matter anymore you know you can go farther and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and and in that way like it's just like it's crazy and in those places like there is an encounter waiting for you guys there's like revelation there's a history waiting for you guys with god but i feel like for most of us just like man it's just it's tough to just get off the ground but i'm just wondering what it would look like if even we gave ourselves to that kind of pursuit and just kind of um and and just battled through and and fought for that kind of history uh, with the Lord. Half of you guys in your mind are like, where is he going with this? <laughs> I know. I, I can see. I don't have to be prophetic for that. Tonight, I'm going to be honest with you. My message is going to center around building history with the Lord. Okay, you're like, oh, okay, okay. All right, now we have some sort of bearing to understand your message. Because I just feel like that's what God wants. He wants that more than anything else with you. And it's your history with God that will take you even further with the Lord. And, and what is history with God? Let me define history with God as a series of, such a, a ghetto definition, but a series of glory encounters that leave a mark on your spirit that... Um, that forever changes the way you live and, for, and forever changes the way you relate with God. Yeah. And so Paul, he's got a rich history with God. Like I could tell even as he's writing this, he's like, ah, it's just one revelation I had. I was caught up in the third heavens and, ah, and, I, and I heard stuff that I can't tell you, but sorry, sorry, sorry. It's like, ah. imagine I was like one of the people following Paul. But you can't do that. You can't tease us like that. But like that was something that he had. And when I read that passage, I don't know about you, but it provokes me. I want that too. Like, I pray, God, please take me up to the heavens. Like, I do. 
And honestly, I can't tell, I can't say with honesty before that God has taken me up to the heavens. That hasn't happened yet. I, I'm hoping one day it will. I want to share this story. Um, I spent, so I'm not your typical pastor, okay? I mean, I, I wasn't like a youth pastor. And then, you know, I didn't go that typical route. I mean, God just, it, there's a bunch of detours in my life. And now I'm here in Korea. But, um, but I started off as a youth pastor, right? And then, and then God called me to be a worship pastor. And then, uh, and during my time after worship ministry, that got yeah, Then God called me into serving at uh, at a ministry called the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. You guys familiar with IHOP, Kansas City? I'm not talking about the House of Pancakes, House of Prayer. And so, um, what that ministry is known for is that they have a 24/7 House of Prayer, um, where night and day, day and night, uh, they have full worship teams, like really good worship teams, like professional level musicians. Uh, who operate on two-hour shifts, and they've been doing that for 15 years. Powerful place. So you go to a place like that, you fly out to um, um, Kansas City, Missouri, and then you step into a place like that, and I don't care how dry you are in your spirit, I don't care how apathetic you feel about the Word of God, but when you come into an environment where everyone around you is reading and studying the Word of God, and there's worship being lifted up, anointed worship, I don't care who you are, you're going to grab a Bible and start reading it too. It's so powerful and so good. And so I went there, and God just immediately called me to, um, you know, he called me at a later time in my life to, to uh, do an internship there. And so after my time as being a worship pastor was over, I went there, I did an internship, and honestly, I met some of the most interesting people <laughs> I would ever meet in my life. Like, okay, and even as I'm sharing right now, you guys might be thinking, this guy's a wacko. You know, he's talking about all this crazy stuff. You know, it's like, you know, oh, you know. I am, I am not a wacko, <laughs> okay? Okay, I mean, I, I did grow up in the church, or I'll give you that, all right? But I grew up in a Presbyterian way, okay? And uh, I went to a very liberal school. I went to Rutgers College in Jersey. Top three, top three school in the entire, English, entire world, English-speaking nations and philosophy. So I was a philosophy major, and then I went to Princeton Seminary for my MDiv. So I went to two very dry, quote-unquote, dry places, you know, very liberal places. And so... Um, I guess I'm trying to prove a case to you guys that I have my head on straight. You know, I'm not just like a guy who believes everything. Like, oh, you, know? you know, for me, like, I test things out. I'm skeptical. I'm a skeptic. I'm a huge skeptic. But the reason I'm passionate about things is because I've been convinced beyond, beyond belief that what I've seen is real, and then I've become passionate about it. Yeah. And so don't just, just – if you're a skeptic like me, I just encourage you. That's good. Don't just stay – but don't just be a skeptic for being a skeptic, you know. Seek the truth, and then you'll find it. This is in the Bible. But – um. Kansas City, interesting people. And these people, like, I'm, I'm judging them. I'm totally judging them. <laughs> I'll be honest. They're telling me all these crazy stories about whatever, and I'm just like, I don't believe you. No, no, just hamburger helper, you know. No, no, this is just, you're just making stuff up, you know. Um, like, but then there are people that I, there's some people that you just, there's no way you cannot believe them. Just the light in their eyes, the passion, the fire in their heart. And uh, I met so many people in Kansas City, and they're telling the truth. They have no reason to deceive me, okay? Many people who have gone to heaven in Kansas City, in the place of intercession, in the place of fasting and prayer, in the place of giving their lives over, if you're an intercession missionary in Kansas City, there's a requirement of spending uh, at least four hours a day in the prayer room. You guys have, don't have a grid for that. Okay. <laughs> okay. But, um, okay. So these guys, that's their job, okay? And they get they raise support to pray for, for, you know, for the nations and, and causes like that. But they don't just stay in the prayer room. They also go out and help the poor and things like that. So think of it like a modern-day monastery. Maybe there's a grid right there. Um, but, um, but it's like, um, but 
in that place of intimacy, like, they had such history with God. Like, I was salivating as I was listening to the stories. As, as, as I was convinced, I was like, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, they had stories where they went to heaven. And then this one girl, she, she went to heaven and came down. And she just she couldn't speak about it. You know, she, every time she tried to, she just couldn't. And I know what you're thinking. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. She just, she's just pulling this act. You know, she could totally speak about it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt, you know. Um, I guess she just couldn't for some reason. You know, maybe there was a contract we mentioned with Kevin or something that God made with her. You know, you can't do that anymore. Um, and because she loved God so much, she just, she, even though she could, she just chose not to. Maybe, that, maybe that's it. But, uh, but you see, like, those were people that I met. And then honestly, like, after hanging out with people like that, like, I start to want that too for myself, you know? And then I began wondering, like, what kind of Christianity did I live before? I mean, mind you, that kind of Christianity, it's not a crazy, charismaniac Christianity. Those people know the word of God better than any of us, any of you guys. I mean, any, oh, sorry, sorry, no, nothing personal, nothing personal. <laughs> they know the word of God better than me, okay? <laughs> I mean... I mean, they can quote scripture to the teeth. They'll take a passage of the Bible that I've went to seminary for, whatnot, and they'll take stuff out of that that I haven't seen. That re- fresh revelation, like these guys are, they're, they're killer. I mean, they, they got a cutting edge in scripture. So, I mean, so don't knock them as being like, oh, you know, they're not into the Bible. Or they are. They're totally into the Bible. But, um, but in addition to that, they've got these experiences with the Lord. And so when I see them minister and everything, when I see them preach, they got so much more authority. They got so much more anointing than any of my pastor friends back at home. And that makes me very jealous. Because I'm like, you didn't go to seminary. You know, you, you're, not, you're not allowed to be that good. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh. And it's just like you, you meet people like that. And, and for me, it just challenged me. It provoked me to want to know God and to want to go deep. And so even after that night when I talked with her, I honestly, I went back to my room. I went back to my house. And... Um, and I just stayed on the floor. And I was just praying to God. Like, Lord, give me, give me a relation. Give me a relation. <laughs> and uh, it didn't happen then. <laughs> but it's okay. I still, I still got something out of it. I still had my time with the Lord. Um, but, then, but then later on, later on, you know, as I've been consistently, uh, in my times with God, I've been bringing that before. I'm like, Lord, I want to have these experiences, encounters. I want to have these glory encounters with you. Um, and... Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong in asking for that. I mean, God wants us to ask for that. It sounds flaky, but it's not if you're reading the word and you're living a word by that. You're actually hungry. And if people in the Bible did that, like, why not us? And that, that's actually, it's taking faith, right? The devil's telling tell you, oh, that's such a flaky thing because he's just intimidated. And he doesn't want you to have that. So he's just throwing that at you and trying to get you to self-condemn yourself. But anyways, so I was just, I was just praying. And then I remember God just spoke to me very clearly. He's like, Joel, you already have so much faith. Like, I know that, I know that you know that, I know that, <laughs> that, that I'm in this room with you, in your room, in your, you know, 10 by 10 feet cubicle, whatever, that, not cubicle, but, you know, that, that room that you're in. And um, would it make a difference if I showed myself to you? And so, like, snap. Oh, wow, okay. And, you know, what, what could I say to that, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it will make a difference. <laughs> You know, I, I wasn't, it wasn't like that. I was like, yeah, you know, you're right, God. You know, because I feel like so many times I blindly come before the Lord in my times with God. And, and, uh, and if, if I'm not careful, I've made it a religion. 
and I haven't really expected his presence. I haven't really acknowledged that the God of the universe could be with me in my room, you know, but it's just kind of like, okay, let's just, let's just connect. And uh, without blindly, without realizing the, the crazy truth that the God of the universe, the God who made the heavens and the earth, the God who made everything around us, like he, oh my goodness, like he is in your room with you. You know, like, do you guys get that? Oh man, I don't know if you guys get that. Like, I, I get that. And there's no way, I, and there's no way I want to lead my time with God. I want, there's no way I want to keep it short when, when I understand that, you know? And so, like, God shared that with me. I'm like, all right, God, um, but I still want you to reveal yourself to me at some point. <laughs> and so, here's the thing. Like, man, Jesus is real. He's very real. Um, I, I wish Jesus could just show himself right now, you know? Like, bam! <laughs> you know? Um, but I, I say that, and it sounds funny, but it actually happens around the world. Like, you know, the person of Jesus, the God of Jesus, I mean, Jesus, who is a God, he, he reveals himself personally to people all around the world. He, he's revealing himself to Muslims right now, like crazy. And Muslims are getting saved, not because they heard the gospel through a man, but because they, met, they had an encounter with this person who says, go meet this person on the street corner at 2 o'clock p.m. At 2 p.m. They do that, and then, and then, you know, it happens to be a person preaching the gospel or, or, or secretly handing a gospel track, and they become saved that kind of way. Like, Jesus revealing himself to people all around the world. One story that encourages me is there's a guy named uh, Rabbi Kandel. Um, he's got the gift of hearing God's voice audibly. Okay? Now, you guys are like, yeah, right. Whatever. You know, like, there's no way he could do it. I've been there, okay? Like, I, I, I was like, yeah, right, whatever. You know, I, I thought through all the possibilities and ramifications, but, uh, but I, I'm convinced he hears the voice of God audibly. But anyways, he has this crazy story where um, um, he's actually... A missionary in India right now, um, but he spent some time in Kansas City. Um, I'm not trying to like market Kansas City right now, but but he spent some time there, and uh, he was driving home from the prayer room, and no um, oh, no no okay let's start like this. So he he was on a he was on a 40 day fast, and he was on 40 day fast because uh, you know he actually uh, asked a girl, you know I guess to a relationship, and the girl said no, and so. And so he actually went on a 40-day fast after that. Uh, and um, I don't know. I don't know if th- that's not something maybe we wouldn't recommend on New Philly. <laughs> Any of the brothers here, you know, uh, you know, make sure you talk to the pastor before you do something like that. But he felt led to go on a 40-day fast. And then during the 40-day fast, one of the things he wanted was like, Jesus, can you reveal yourself to me personally? Reveal yourself to me personally. And then on day 39... While he's praying in his room and his housemates are downstairs just watching TV or whatnot, all of a sudden, I don't know where... Boom! Like a blue flash lights up the room. He's like, what the heck happened? And so he, he hides behind his bed because he's like, maybe something exploded or something, you know? And, and lo and behold, there is Jesus in his room looking straight at him. And he's just like, he's like, oh my goodness. And then the only thing that, you know, I, I read this in the book, the only thing he says is that his eyes are so beautiful. He had the most beautiful eyes. And then, and then Jesus, they have a conversation and Jesus is telling him, you know, what to do with submissions and things like that. And, um, and then Jesus leaves, you know, after that. And then uh, when he comes back downstairs, his friends go, who was the other guy with you in the room? Because they heard the voice too. They heard the booming voice. So they're like, who was the other guy in the room? And he was like, I bet he was like, I don't know, you, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. I'm in Jesus. And so that was day 39. On day 40, the, the woman of God that he asked out actually called him and said, yes, you know, let's, let's do this relationship thing. And so, 
In his case, the fasting worked. <laughs> okay, <laughs> guys, you know, I don't know about that, okay? And so, and so, and so. Yes, yes. Listen to Rona, okay? Disregard this, anyone listening to the podcast, okay? Just remember the good stuff of the story. Eat the meat tr- throughout the bones, okay? Um, and so, after that encounter, and they got engaged, right? And, and, and his wife and his fiance was like, do you think Jesus will ever reveal himself to you again? He's like, I doubt that. You know, it's like few people ever get to have that ch- encounter with God. You know, once is good enough for me. And, um, and then one day he was driving home from the, from the mission space. That's where I'm going to pick up my story. And, um, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, while he's driving his car, boom, like a light fills up his car. And Jesus appears in the passenger seat, in the cockpit, right in the cockpit, I mean, um, the uh, shotgun, shotgun right next to him. And then and he gets so startled. He's like, oh. he's like, you can't do that, Jesus. <laughs> he says that. And then, and then apparently Jesus says, sorry. <laughs> and then in his mind, he was like, he was like, wait, 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 wait. Did the God of the universe just apologize to me? <laughs> and they have a conversation, okay? And while, that, while they have a conversation, he's driving the car. And I don't know if, if you ever had experience with Jesus in your, in your shotgun and you're driving the car. I'm guessing it's very hard to retain attention while driving the car. So he's like, woo, you know, all the roads can't city. A police car comes behind them turns on the signal. He's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then, um, then he looks over, Jesus is gone. And he's like, okay. And then, and then, um, and he pulls over and the cop comes over to him and says, all right, you know, um, hey, where was your, where was your buddy next to you? The guy dressed in white. True story. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> I think I just botched that story, but I think it's really cool, okay? So, like, like he is, like, super real, okay? Now, this rabbi guy, he's not a deceiver, okay? Um, you don't know him, so maybe you're like, I'm not, I'm, I refuse to believe this. I refuse to believe this. I mean, you're, you're going to refuse to believe anything I tell you that, okay? But um, I can just say for sure, like, he's, you know, this guy, he's legit, the real deal. I've seen stuff, and he's, I, I know people who know him personally. It's, he was not my Facebook friend list for a bit. I don't know where he's now, but, but, um, but like, man, stories like that, you know, like encounters with God. When I was at Joy Christian Fellowship, that was a, um, that was a church where I was a worship pastor. Um, I really began to grow and fall in love with God on a greater level because I began to realize through all these stories, through all these experiences that, man, God is real. I don't know about you, but when I hear stories like this, I don't just hear it and, and, you know, okay, that's cool, you know? Live life as normal. But when I hear stories like this, it, it provokes me to want to go in my, in my room and pray to God and seek him and be like, God, I want you. Show yourself to me. Okay, okay, calm down, down there. And I'm hoping these stories are doing that for you. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, while I was at Joy, um, we partnered with a guy. Oh, my goodness. You guys are going to smack me on my head. But um, we partnered with a guy um, from Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> you know, his name is Bob Hartley, okay? Um, and uh, he actually had a vision of, um, as he was praying, he had a, a vision of Korean Americans. I'm sorry for those who are not from America, but Korean Americans, uh, youth who are dying spiritually. He saw a vision of them jumping off a cliff, 
and if nothing was done in the next few years, that number will multiply double or triple. And then in the picture, in that vision, he also had a dream where he was driving a bus, and then my senior pastor at the time was one of the people on that bus, but they'd never met before. And so um, uh, my senior pastor gets goaded by one of his pastor friends to come to a healing conference where Bob Partley's ministering. Bob Partley's like, hey, I saw you in my dream, and let's connect. And my senior pastor's like, what? But, you know, they, they relationship build and build trust, okay? They do all that stuff. And then finally, we come to a point in relationship where he invites Bob Hartley out to our church and minister. And this guy comes, and this guy has such the sharpest level of prophetic accuracy. I personally, he's someone I personally know. I feel really cool, you know? <laughs> he has the sharpest level of prophetic accuracy out of any other I mean, people that I, in person that I know. Like, he spends eight hours a day praying before the Lord like going deep and just interceding over people and just hearing from God what, he, what God would have to say to these people. But uh, so we would invite him to our retreats. He would ask for a name, the list, name of list for our, of our leaders. And then, and then he would, and he would get the leaders list. And then, and then, and then he never met many of the leaders, but then he'd go and he'd start prophesying over them. What he got and like factual stuff, like addresses, phone numbers, things like that. And so one time he was like, all right, um, seven, three, two, four, 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 three, six, one, two. I don't know. I don't remember what the number was, but he was like something like that. It's like, whose number is this? And then, people, and then one, one person was like, you know, how do you have my number, you know? <laughs> and, then he, and then he was like, God's trying to get in touch with you. Like, no one told him the number, but he, he was able to hear it to that level. All right. Now you're like, yeah, like, what if your church staff slipped that number to him in the back? Well, first of all, you're, you're disrespecting my church. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I know these guys, all right? They're not the kind of people, okay? I mean... Yeah. Okay. So, um, and so, um, and then, so this is crazy. This is crazy. And so he even gets Korean names. Like God gives him Korean names. He's from the Midwest. Okay. He's, he's white. All right. But then as, as, he's, as he's ministering, he's ministering over, um, over a buddy, over this guy. And all of a sudden he gets J Y E H Y E K I M J Hi Kim. You know what J I Kim? And then my, my other friend who was helping minister with him, he's like, that's my wife. That's my wife. And then he'll begin ministering to that person, ministering to the wife. And that guy, I guess he felt a little gypped afterwards. But, um, but, um, but then he'd, he'd call out names and he minister to people. And honestly, people who don't have a grid for that, when you're confronted with the reality of God on that kind of level, the supernatural reality of God, because God is real, it changes you. Night and day. Like the next morning, like they'll come up completely different people. And these are people who have no experience with charismatic, but yet they're convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is real, that God loves them, and God knows them. And so, I'm done with my storytelling, but like, man, I've got a hundred other more stories like this. But, see, I'm sharing these stories to highlight that there's a history with God that we need, that we need to cultivate. Guys, I don't want you to go through Emmaus. And just come out to these nice meetings, have great worship, see Emily go crazy, you know? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know? I love your worship. I love you. I knew. I knew. I, I said it to you. Remember the other day? I was like, you know, worship must be powerful because you, you just shift things. But, um, but, like, I hope it's more than that. I hope Christianity is more than that. I hope it's more than just being a better person, okay? Yeah. You know? I hope it's more than just... People who don't believe in Christ, you know, and you're in this room, I love you guys. Um, I, I, I hope you're, man, I, my desire is that you get attracted not by how kind and friendly people are here. I mean, that, that's a given, okay? When you're spilled with the fear of Jesus, that, that's a fruit. But I, I hope that you're arrested by the, 
by the reality that, man, there's something about this place, that there is a God, and he, he might be real, and he knows me, and he loves me. He sent his own son to die for me on that cross, and, and if he did that, if he went out of the way to do that, then there's no stopping God from having encounters like this in the Bible with you. That is the gospel. You're not just saved. You're not, it's not fire insurance. You're not just saved so that, you know, you, you, you avoid the fires of hell. That's just, that's just, oh, yeah, of course, you know. It's, it's, you're saved to something greater. You're saved to intimacy with God. That you get to walk hand in hand with the God of the universe? Are you kidding me? Guys. Man. Man. <laughs> it blows my mind. It blows my mind. History with God. Being able to enjoy time with God. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. If you guys have reached the point in your walk with God where you enjoy spending time with him, you enjoy praying to him, that's where it's at. God is going to come and meet you in that place. Um, but I want to pray that that happens. I want to pray that shift happens before you leave Emmaus, before you go back and you're confronted with all this stuff wherever you're from. I'm telling you, if you have a history with God, nothing will shake you. When I was at Princeton and garbage was being taught from places, I had professors who didn't believe in the resurrection. I had professors who had all this stuff. The only thing that kept me in that place was, was, was my history with God, but also um, was me building history with God during that time, through my struggles, where I would come in my room and I'd just pray. And then, you know, and, and, and when I graduated from Princeton, I had to leave my room, I almost cried. Because that, that room meant so much to me. It was a place of such oil and anointing. And it was, it, it's like, you know, it's like when you, when you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you had your favorite spots you go to, right? And then... And then, you know, it's like they, they have a special meaning to you. And let's say, like, you couldn't go to that place anymore. You're like, oh, you know. It's like, remember that's, there's a viral story. Okay, anyways, okay. Anyway, so uh, it's like you go to these places, and it's like, oh, you just want to, there's, there's profundity about it. Like, that's what I had with my seminary room, like, with the Lord. History with God. And so um, I'm going to end my message. And my closing point is seek to build a history. And especially seek to build the history uh, when you're going through stuff. That's when God really wants to encounter you. That's when God wants to touch you. And, and for me, that's when God really encountered me powerfully. And as you build history with God, it's like Lego blocks. You just you build, upon, you build upon stuff. You, know, you build upon past revelations. And, 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 and ultimately, it only ends up being for your greater joy and your greater peace, and your greater hope. And so um, I, I, I'm com completely fine and comfortable telling you guys right now that unless you, you learn to build a history with God, unless you have moments of tenderness with God that remain in your memory, moments where you can say it was very powerful, you're going to be miserable. Okay, that sounds so depressing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not saying this to discourage you, but I'm saying that you, some of you need to fight for that. Fight. I've been blessed. I've been, I have God-given passion, okay? When people write things about me, they're like, oh, he's so passionate. That's the only thing they write about. Sometimes I get offended by that. I'm like, what does that mean, okay? Am I just passionate to have no brains? You know, it's like, um, but like, I have a God-given grace. I, I now don't take for granted to go deep in God and go past obstacles. Like, for me, I'll pray until I get a fever, you know, until like, I, 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 you know, get to that place where I'm encountering God. 
But it makes me sad to see not many people have that. They go a certain leg and they fall. And then, like, you know. But, like, but you will be miserable unless you have that. Because your soul was created for that. And I say that to you as a challenge because I know that you guys can do it. You know, and I know the Spirit, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna release grace in your life for that to happen. He's going to release grace in your life for history with God to happen.